1: Hello friends, welcome to episode 986 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Tuesday into Wednesday. Today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, with only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week, coming up later in the episode. I'll be joined shortly by Wes Morton of Peachtree Hoops to talk about the Hawks and where they are right now, and some schedule stuff and some playoff matchup stuff and Wes is very smart so that's coming up in a few moments but first some news and also a preview of sorts for Hawks Suns on Wednesday night in Atlanta um, first a DeAndre Hunter update from Travis Schlenk who did his weekly radio hit with Around the game in Atlanta the Hawks flagship station and gave an update of sorts Nothing terribly shocking here compared to what was said by McMillan on our most recent podcast that I played for you on Saturday. That was sort of the last time McMillan talked about Hunter in a public forum, but some ominous stuff here. Um, Schlicht did say that they're still hopeful, is the quote, on Hunter and all of his status right now, but he did say that one of the issues is having confidence in his knee. Um, he said, and I'm quoting here, this is from Hawks.com. the last thing that we're going to do is put somebody out there where they're not confident because if you're worried about something, and don't have confidence in your knee. That's when you were going to go out there and get hurt. End quote. Schleck also said that it's a function of him getting comfortable with everything. And also referenced that it's a it's sort of been hard to find practice time. Five on five in particular with the Hawks. And their this schedule has been brutal. That's something that talked about a lot in the entire course of the season. As they get guys back from injury. Just kind of taking a little bit of time to find scrimmaging possibilities. So no like tangible timelines. No... Firm updates on Hunter, but that was, uh, of course, going to be coming anytime Travis does a radio hit right now. He's gonna get asked by Hunter, it's just kind of the nature of the beast at the moment, and uh, that's the latest on that. So, you know, at this moment, he's still ruled out for Wednesday, and uh, nothing else beyond that that we are definitely aware of. As for Wednesday's game, the Suns are coming to town. The Suns are awesome, they're leading the Western Conference right now, so that tells you how good they've been this season. Um, They do have a second game of a back-to-back. They actually went to overtime on Tuesday. They ended up winning by a lot in overtime, but still, they had to play five extra minutes and kind of press against the Cavs on the road, so that's a pretty good sign for the Hawks. They might have some tired legs with Phoenix, but because of the back to back, no injury report at this point in time. So we're, we're all guessing they were missing Jay Crowder and Adil Nader um, in the game on Tuesday. We have no idea who's going to play, who won't play. But again, the overtime component of that is good. And Phoenix has to travel into Atlanta, whereas the Hawks have been home since Saturday. They played Saturday, had a day off Sunday. Played Monday, had a day off today, slash practice today, so no travel since Saturday, and full rest, so a slight advantage there for the Hawks. I will say, our friends at AG do have a lineup right now, and the Hawks are 2.5-point underdogs at this moment in time. That could obviously change, and it probably will based on whoever plays for Phoenix, etc., but that's kind of where we are at this moment in time. On the injury front... Um, for the Hawks, anyway, nothing terribly new. Um, Hunter is out, as we just as we just discussed, and Camrash is still out. The only other guy listed is Bogdanovich, who's listed as probable. He was probable also in advance of Monday's game, so I'm assuming he will play. Uh, not definitely, but certainly, it looks like he is likely to play. So it looks like the Hawks will be at least semi healthy once again. Um, the new norm, hopefully, uh, knock on wood, with the Hawks having a full complement of players available with the exception of Hunter and Reddish. But that's where we are right now as of Tuesday evening. Um, a, couple more, a couple other news things to get to briefly here. Um, both the Hawks uh, sort of had a, had a player of the month nominee and a coach of the month nominee. Obviously, the coach of the month nominee was Nate McMillan. He did not win, although he did win in March. So um, the the back-to-back dream is dead, I suppose. But he was certainly in the mix for that award. And the Cl- Cl- Capella was the Player of the Month nominee for the Hawks. Um, I thought he was not going to win; he didn't win. It was Julius Randle at the end of the day because the Knicks have been red hot, and his numbers are a little bit more impressive in the box score. But Capella was awesome in April. The not not, not only the double double that he gets almost every night of the week, but the defense and all that stuff his impact has been tremendous. So uh, a, a small honor to be nominated. Obviously, uh, neither of those guys won, but uh, still uh, a little bit of good re- recognition on, on a league-wide level for both Capella. And McMillan. Okay, before we get to Wes and a fun conversation, it's time to reveal our Mikkelab Ultra Player of the Week. And all season long, I've said it'd be pretty easy to give this award to Troy Young most of the time, if not all of the time. I try to spread the love a little bit around, and the Hawks have had some standout performances from Capella and Bogdanovich, Gallinari, and Collins, and whoever else up and down the roster throughout the season. This week, though, Troy Young gets the hardware for me because of his performance since he came back from the ankle injury. So obviously, he missed four games. But in the last three games that he has played, his numbers have been awesome. 28.7 points, 7.3 assists per game. In those three contests, 51-35-97 shooting splits, which is a 69% true shooting mark, which is very nice, you would say. And the Hawks have a 120 offensive rating when Troy Young is on the floor in those three games. So... Obviously, Hawks fans listening to this podcast know all about Trey Young, but he looks to be healthy, he looks to be spry, and in shape, and ready to cook uh, to to close out the season, so he is the Hawks' best player, he's the most important player offensively by a wide margin, so good to have him back, and all signs point to health as the playoffs uh, arrive, and he had a great week as well, leading the team in scoring, leading the team in assists in a way that he often does, but still, I don't always give it to him, but uh, I obviously could, and Trey was awesome in the last seven days. Are you happy because you win? Doing because you're happy with only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. In the end, joy creates success, and enjoyment isn't the end game; it's the whole game. Michelob Ultra, and the Ultra Player of the Week is Trey Young. I am joined now by friend of the program, Wes Morton of Peace Hoops is here. Hello, Wes. How are you? Hey,
0: I'm doing pretty good. How you doing?
1: I'm living the dream. It's uh, it's Tuesday. May the 4th in the evening, the Hawks are between games, they played Monday night, they play again on Wednesday against Phoenix, and it's a good time to sort of catch up on some things, the Hawks have now played 66 games, Uh, six games remaining in the season, and they're in good shape, obviously, as we record this, um, there's a little bit of flux with the standings, because we don't know the results of all the games tonight, i.e. the Dallas-Miami game is happening this evening, but, um, Interesting stuff to touch on here. I guess my my starting salvo to you would be, um, as a Hawks observer, how are you feeling right now? Because it seems like everything's going pretty well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely have to feel pretty good. I mean, when you consider the how the season's gone, it's been been a little bit of a rocky road. Usually, seasons where you have to switch coaches mid-season, usually you're you're not thinking playoffs, you're thinking lottery balls. So just to be in this position is pretty good. And then on top of that, um, the many injuries they've had—they've had guys go in and out. They've had to, you know, shuffle the rotation. Um, you know, right now they're they're missing their two key wing defenders, including one guy, DeAndre Hunter, who's having a breakout season. So, um, you know, the injury bugs caught them. The coaching change has been tumultuous, but. You're still sitting there, fifth, avoiding the play-in for the moment. Um, they have some work to do in the last six games, but I I really don't know how you can call it anything other than a pretty successful season thus far.
1: Yeah, no, no question. I, I think that uh, you mentioned, in fact, I was going to ask you, well, I'll just do it now, you mentioned the the absence of, Hunter and Reddish. Obviously, sort of a lost year for Reddish, and Hunter, while he was really good early, has been out for so long now. It's just, it's almost like a figment of our ma- imagination at this point. Um, you're hoping that he's back, of course, in the near future, or, uh, you know, he would obviously help them. But I was going to ask you this How do you feel about this wing rotation? Just because, you know, you look at the, play- the playoff matches that-, that we'll actually sort of get-, get into potentially later on as we talk here, but, you know, they have offense in the form of Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter on the wing. And both those guys are not terrible defenders by any means, but they're not hugely, you know, stoppers either. And then you have the role guys like Tony Snell and Solomon Hill, and they've gotten by with it all season for the most part since Hunter went down. They've they've been able to sort of hold the line with that wing wing rotation, but if you get into a playoff situation, it's not ideal. And one of the questions right now I think that everybody has is, like, what the rotation is going to look like. So how comfortable are you... With this group right now, it's sort of a broad question, I know, but um, being without Hunter and even Reddish to some extent, they don't have, like, a stopper. Like, if you're playing Jimmy Butler or Jason Tatum in a playoff series, they don't have that, like, number one guy to guard those guys.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I would, I would definitely echo that. I mean, it's that's definitely something you need in the playoffs where, um, you know, pace tends to slow down a little bit. Your star players are going to play a few more minutes, so the guy's going to be on the ball. Um, get your get your superstars the ball more. Um, so yeah, I mean whoever whoever they see in the in the playoffs really could could give them problem. I mean, you know certainly Tony Snell will get in their fight. Solomon Hill will get in their fight a little bit. But compared to what you would get with a Cam or DeAndre, you know it's just a pretty big step down if you're asked to like you said defend uh Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or uh, you know if even if the Hawks fin- uh, slid to the um, Six spot, they could face like the Bucks and Giannis is a nightmare to try to try to stop penetration and or or Ben Simmons on the Sixers, you know guys like that. Who, I mean, you just need a, you need a guy who can get in there, is athletic, can fight with them, and um, you know Solo and Tony are kind of into the bench guys. You know you can you can make do with Herder and, and Bogey uh, for some stretches, but. I think during the regular season you're able to kind of float you know, float water. Your wing defense may not be great, but you know, maybe you can kinda of match down the opposite outside of the ball. Bogey and Kevin uh, Gallo to some degrees have shot the ball well as of late, so but yeah, in the playoffs it's it it's a little bit worrying. Certainly we, we don't know for sure that they'll both miss miss that series, but the signs aren't so good. <laughs> yeah. um, so you just—it's just it's just going to have to be a sort of a team effort. You're going to have to rotate guys onto your star, you know, those star opponents, do whatever you can to slow them down, maybe, you know, really dig off the ball on them and show some double teams. It's just going to be a lot of kind of small fixes to, to do what you can.
1: Yeah, something that McMillan's kind of said a lot, and, you know, he is a very – Polished, you know. He's been a head coach for twenty years, so the, he he says a lot of coach speak things, and that's that's wise. I think honestly, <laughs> it's not great for media always, but uh, Nate is consistent. And one of the things that he says a lot is just matchups. Like he talk, he talks about matchups a lot. It's a focus of his, and in the playoffs, that's even going to be a bigger focus. Which I think people have almost gotten out of the habit of thinking about now because the Hawks have been in the playoffs for so long. But it's going to slow down. It's going to. Be a lot about like targeting matchups, and the Hawks have some guys that are, you know, not necessarily one-way players, but they have some guys who are not like the traditional two-way guys that you would want necessarily. But like, they have some, especially offense-first players, Um and then you have a couple guys like like, like, we, said, like we sort of said with Solomon Hill is more of a defense-first player, Capella too is more of a defense-defense-first player, but. I'll be interested to see what they end up doing, like, rotationally. That's one of the big themes, you know, other than the Hawks just trying to win games on the stretch because they have to secure their playoff spot. If that becomes more comfortable the last couple games, just kind of seeing what he does rotationally. Like, tinkering, I'm really interested in all that stuff as a basketball nerd. Like... We won't be able to see all of it until they actually get in the series against a team like Miami or Boston or New York or Milwaukee. But uh, just kind of seeing how McMillan's going to deal with that, like, either hiding guys who are defensive weaknesses, like Trey or Gallinari, or how they're going to sort of gang up on the top-level players like your Julius Randles or your Jason Tatum's. Like, there's some interesting... Decisions that have to happen, and we won't know all the way until then, and really until we get an opponent. But it's at least sort of interesting to think about for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, matchups are the big thing, especially you know from game one to game two to game three to game four. Like you know, making adjustments within a series of seven is. Yep. I mean, that's the key to winning the series. So if for guys, you know, destroying you, you know, you may have to switch tactics. So obviously, having having some better. One on one guys makes that task easier, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, what what are the kind of things that McMillan's going to deploy in game one, and then if game one doesn't go so well, what are some of the moves, the possible things he can do um, going forward in that series?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, depending on, on, on opponent too. Like sometimes, as you get later, like there's a lot of coaches that basically will just kind of stay with their normal stuff in game one and then make the adjustment. Um, and that's kind of a that's kind of a old fashioned thing that coaches a lot of coaches do is basically wait till game two to make your like very obvious change. The Hawks don't really have that one like they don't have a lineup to go to that's gonna be like a whole lot different. A lot of teams like go small in game two and the Hawks have Capella. That's not gonna that's not gonna change anything. But that'll be interesting to me. Uh, before I forget to ask you this, I want to ask you about Chris Dunn because I, this might be the last time we talk about Chris Dunn for a long time, depending on how they do, <laughs> how they handle this. But it was a big topic last night. I played some of the audio from Nate. Um, after the game and he talked about rotations and kind of he said it was a numbers game with Chris Dunn you know I would have tried him I said I said as much against uh, against Portland because of the matchup like if you're going to play him it's a good time to do that against Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum but they, but they didn't do that so I'm wondering how you felt about that and also like do you think there's a role for Chris Dunn is it just matchups like how do you feel about him not playing the last couple of games?
0: Um, I mean you know it is what it is I, you know I have to have to believe like Whatever Nate sees and Chris Dunn, like maybe he, you know, just based on the long injury, the time he was out, he just didn't feel he'd be that effective against, uh, you know, Dame and or CJ. Um, it ended up working out for the Hawks with the win, but I think I think Chris Dunn's just a guy you would deploy against, essentially just a a lead guard type of guy. Like, a, you know, he's the six three, six four. He's not gonna provide a ton of resistance against a big wing. A guy who can, like, you know, initiate and the, you know, the Hawks may be seeing a bunch of big wings down the stretch and into the playoffs. So, um, I think Nate's just thinking, you know, I just need to play my, my best 10 or 11 guys and Chris just isn't there yet. And I'm not going to deploy him for, you know, six or eight minute stretch just to see. I think he kind of has that rotation locked in. And I mean, obviously, you know, Don is, you know, uh, Lou's done a great job. Um, Guys like Bogey and, and Kevin have done a good job handling the ball some. So uh, I think it's definitely defensible to not play Chris Dunn, especially after the injury. Um, like you said, certainly if you're going to do it, you're going to do it against a team like Portland. But I don't believe the Hawks are going to see a ton of like lead guard, yep. dominant guys unless they face like you know the Nets or something. So I, I don't really think he'll be of that much of use.
1: I had that same thought, and I almost said it last night. And I forgot to, but it's a good point that you that you just made. I think the only series in which Chris Dunn would like be an obvious guy to use a lot it would be Brooklyn, and it doesn't seem likely that they're going to play Brooklyn. Now, it's it's possible, but they either have to go down to the play in, um, or. Brooklyn has to go behind Milwaukee to three to even have a chance. So I think the combined odds of that, it's not zero, but it's not likely. I think Brooklyn's one of their least likely opponents. And because of that, I wonder if McMillan, not that he's a big look-ahead guy, because he's not, he's definitely an in-the-moment kind of coach. But I do think that, just practically speaking, if you want to cut a guy from the rotation right now and sort of get yourself ready to go, done is kind of a natural fit because he's already been gone for most of the season and he is kind of a specialist. I mean, he, maybe not a full-blown specialist. I, I think that Chris Dunn does fit pretty well with, like, Trae Young, for instance. But there wasn't a lot of time to get that ready. And now, if you're going to use him, like, yeah, against Kyrie Irving or even James Harden, you would love to have Chris Dunn. But against the Celtics, you're really more worried about Tatum and Brown. Against the Knicks, you're worried about Randall and Barrett. Or against Miami, it's Butler. It's not guys that Chris Dunn's, like... Prone to be locking up, I guess.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I would agree with that. So I mean, he and especially worries you on defense. You know, that that's sort of one of the things where you can't really like rely on a guy to get up to speed on defense because if you're just kind of getting blown by, you know, you're hurting the team. It, it, it's it's a tough. It's probably tougher than offense to replicate in practice to come back in training from. So I think a lot of the signs are pointed towards the Hawks. New like kind of a lost season for Chris Dunn. The guy he's on contract for another year might as well try to aim for next season to really you know get get what you you thought you were getting out of him this past off season
1: and you still have him. Like, you, you can use him if you need to. And if you get in a series where you think he might be valuable, you throw him out there for a quarter and see what happens. But I just want to at least touch on it now because, again, like if, if he's not going to play again on Wednesday, and we don't, we don't know that to be sure, but if he if he's a DNP again Wednesday and Thursday, it's like, all right, no more no more Chris Dunn talk for a while. So I feel like right, right. Uh, let's get that out of the way now. Okay, before we get to the rest of the podcast, I want to ask you about the rest of the season and also some playoff opponent stuff. A word from our sponsor on today's podcast, and the first of which is Build Bar. Built Bar is spectacular, and if anything, it's more delicious than ever. Built Bar has a ton of amazing flavors that we've been talking about for quite some time on the podcast. That includes options with or without nuts, and it also features some of my personal favorites like lemon almond cheesecake and cookies and cream. Each and every bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're also soft and easy to chew, making the entire experience all that much better. And Built Bar is also great if you're trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while enjoying something that tastes absolutely incredible. Built Bar is also low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. My personal favorite, as i said a number of times, is cookies and cream, and the profile there from the health perspective is awesome. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. It is a fantastic time to check out builtbar.com. Yes, that's builtbar.com. If you go there right now you have 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15. If you use that promo code, once again, it's LOCKED15. That's 15% off on your next order with BuiltBar.com. Check it all out. There's plenty to check out at BuiltBar.com, and I recommend all the flavors. You can find it all at BuiltBar.com, and you can try BuiltBar today. One more time, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by the good folks at BetOnline.ag. Baseball is in full swing right now, and you can track all the action and much, much more at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including the NBA, of course, with MLB, NHL, UFC, golf, soccer, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. BetOnline also has all of the props and future bets you could possibly want, and they offer live wagering options on a ton of events, which can add a lot of intrigue when you're watching any game. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. You can check out the news, contest information, and sign-up bonuses right now. Take this chance to get off the sidelines and take your opportunity to get into the game as teams prepare for the run to the playoffs. If you visit BetOnline.ag right now, you can sign up today and receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline. That is a 50% bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code locked on. One more time, that is promo code locked on, fifty percent more in a welcome bonus with betonline.ag. Betonline, your online sportsbook experts. Alright, Wes, uh, let's before we get to the playoff opponent section here. Um, The Hawks finish up with six more games. Uh, It's Phoenix on Wednesday. It's Indiana on Thursday on the road, a back-to-back. And then they come home for Washington twice. That's one that looks a lot more difficult now than it did a few weeks ago. But then they finish up with Orlando and Houston, which I've been trying to tell people not to assume those are wins. I got somebody in my mentions today saying, well, those are guaranteed wins. It's like, well... The Hawks will be favored heavily in those last two games, no question. But nothing's a guarantee in the NBA. The Thunder just beat the Celtics on the road. Like stuff stuff happens in the NBA. Uh, obviously, the Hawks should win those games, but uh, they're thirty six and thirty. This is a good way to get into this. I, I feel like I'm going to ask you this broadly. What do you expect them to do in these last six games, record wise? Like, how many wins do they finish with if you had to guess right now?
0: Um, I would honestly say three, um, just because, like you said, I think. Most of them are going to be pretty competitive, especially you know I would I definitely wouldn't overlook the you got the Pacers and you get the Wizards twice and those teams are ninth and tenth right now in the East like they're they're fighting for that play in positioning Uh, especially the Wizards have actually played extremely well as of late Um, they've gotten a lot healthier. Russell Westbrook's doing his triple double thing again. So Russ had like twenty four assists you know, last right. night,
1: which is just outrageous. <laughs> yeah, it was
0: a crazy triple double. It was like it was like fourteen points, twenty four assists, and twenty rebounds, something. So, you know, I definitely, I think, I think, honestly, think they could go something like one and three in these next four games, and then maybe you know rebound for you know two and zero against the, the Magic and the Rockets, who are out of playoff consideration, but. Um, I think uh, I think it'll be it'll be tough. I mean, certainly they could go four and two. That's probably a little bit likelier scenario. Um, so yeah, I just, I just, think these these next four games are gonna be real competitive. Teams that are actually fighting for for a lot. The Suns are obviously a very good team and fighting for for seating in the West. So, um. Yeah, I mean, uh, looking at it, five of the last six are at home, so I, I guess I didn't even consider that. I would probably, honestly, maybe lean more towards four and two, but, you know, three and three might get you that um, five seed anyway. I think anything less than that, you start to slide down towards the six spot, which you you definitely don't want to do. You, you're going against, like, the Bucks or Nets instead of the Knicks.
1: Right. I think that um... – Yeah, being at home, obviously, helps considerably. And then you factor in that, you know, tomorrow, you know, the Wednesday's game, Phoenix is on a back-to-back. That's helpful. And also, Thursday, the Hawks are on a back-to-back in Indiana, but also the Pacers are too, so there's not a huge disadvantage there. And then you throw in, you know, the Wizards are playing better, but I think the Hawks will be favored in those games. If you just go by Las Vegas, I think the Hawks might be favored in five of the last six they're going to be underdogs against Phoenix unless the, unless the Suns end up sitting some guys unexpectedly. So that's one. But even then, you're at home and the rest advantage. It'll be a small number. I think the baseline's probably four and two. Like if you go four and two, also I feel like you're, if nothing else, you're kind of not guaranteed, but close to guaranteed to avoid the play in at four and two. I think if you go if you go three and three, you're probably in reasonable shape still. Anything better than four and two, and you're definitely locked in to avoid the play in, but. I guess my, it's a good transition point. How important do you think it is to get to the four or five? Because obviously, if you're, if you're in that six spot, you got to play Milwaukee or maybe Brooklyn, probably Milwaukee, though. Um, and that's just, in my mind anyway, that's a pretty big gap between, uh, Milwaukee and playing like the Knicks or playing the Celtics. Do you agree with that? Like, how big of a deal is that for you?
0: I think it'd be, I think it'd be really big. I mean, um, I know the Hawks just just beat Milwaukee a few weeks ago, um, without Trey. Without Trey, right? But I would, you know, that that you know, a matchup against you know really long um, guys like Giannis and Chris Chris Middleton. You still got you know Brook Lopez patrolling the paint. Um, got a lot of size and shooting with that roster. I I think that would give Atlanta real a really really difficult time in seven games. Um, whereas. You know, Celtics have rebounded some, but they, they just, you know, they're definitely some, some pretty, pretty glaring weaknesses, especially, you know, with their roster past about, you know, their, their couple of superstar guys and Kimba coming back, you know, they can definitely, they're, you know, their bench unit can be exploited. Um, the Hawks are a pretty deep team. So, um, and the Knicks, of course, are, the Knicks are kind of interesting because um, it's a Thibodeau team. You know he's gonna shorten his rotation. He's gonna play his guys heavy minutes. He's gonna have probably eight guys in, in the playoff rotation. They're gonna you know grind out you know defensive games. Um, your focus is on you know Randall there. Um, don't really having anyone you can match up with Randall. I would say
1: that that is a that, question that, for sure. Over, I mean right, I'm, but, not, I'm not looking forward to that. If if that happens. Uh, there'll be a lot of ink spilled and words said by me of how they're going to deal with Randall because Randall is just out of his mind. I mean, this is, it's been a crazy season for a lot of, a lot of things, but Julius Randall doing what he's done is kind of insane. Honestly, like he just continues to make these ridiculous shots too. He's shooting like 40, like 40% from three. Uh, he's tough to deal with. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, I think though against the last, you know, last few times he played the Hawks. He's averaging probably like 30 points and, Twelve boards and something like that, and just shooting, shooting the lights out. It seems like he's just he's just one of those weird, crafty guys that you know gets to his spots on the floor and just kind of kills you, going at his own speed. So, but I think as a whole, um, I think I think you you would definitely be very pleased to see the Knicks over the you know Bucks or Nets, and like you said, even the Celtics. I, I'm actually a pretty big believer in Miami. To be quite honest, I know you're a bit lower on them. I but. am,
1: but they also scare me more than the Knicks do. To be honest, I mean, okay, you you yeah. can deba- I mean, I I've never been a big Miami guy, but I also have a, a pretty healthy respect for Spolstra, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. Like the rest of that team, does not scare me. But when you have a a number one like Jimmy, who just is relentless, uh, and then a really really good coach. They're, they're a little bit scary, and we'll also see, not that this is apples to apples, but we, I've, we've i seen Spolstra pretty much outmaneuver Nate McMillan in the playoff series um, in the recent past. Now, this doesn't mean it would happen again, but Miami just has the pedigree, and they just seem to rise when they need to rise, but even then, I am I am skeptical of them, but I'm sort of talking both sides, both sides of my mouth now, but I, I trust Miami more than New York. At a bare minimum, it feels like the Knicks, to you, the point you just made, like, I'm not disrespecting them. They've been they've been awesome this year and been a lot of fun. But they feel like a team that is kind of has their foot to the floor the entire season, and that's kind of why and at least part of why they're winning. And I'm not sure they have another gear to go to. And Miami almost certainly has another gear to go to.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah, it'll be interesting, and especially I think you know very few players on the Knicks have any sort of playoff experience. A lot of lot of young guys. uh, We think about you know Barrett and. Yeah,
1: it's like it's like Derrick Rose, uh, Taj Gibson, who like is a sort of a role guy for them. But yeah, I mean for the most part, it's young guys. And by the way, to your point, Randall is averaging thirty seven and twelve against the Hawks this year in three games. And yeah, 50, feels that right. Fifty percent from three. Uh, so that's obviously not going to not going to not, not going to sustain. But I, I believe that is his highest. Yeah, it's his highest score. he average against any opponent this year is against the Hawks.
0: Yeah, I believe it. I, I'm pretty sure I, I remember watching all those games and just like, he can't possibly be this hot. He's like, crazy. Well, but, and
1: but, it's, some of those are like contested. I mean, I, not to get that way down this rabbit hole, but it seems like he's just got He's going to have to cool off and he just doesn't. And it, it has to happen at some point. But that's been the, that's been the case all year long with Randall. And he's still right now shooting 43% from three for the season. Like that's insane for the volume and being being Julius Randle, to have him shoot that way. He's not Steph Curry. Like he, it's uh yeah. to do that for a full season is uh, kind of wild.
0: Yeah, I remember. I mean, that was that was a weakness for him. Yeah, coming out of college, coming coming to the Lakers first couple of years, you're like, oh yeah, he, you know, he's got a decent mid range game, but he he can't step out to the three. But slowly but surely, here he is he's shooting forty three percent. So, um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, I think for the Hawks, it's going to be a lot of team defense against a guy like Randall. Um, I think the number one guy would be, you know, John Collins. Um, but, yeah, I think you just, you know, try to get him away from his spots on the floor. And, um, you know, he's, he's a physical guy. So, you're you're definitely going to have, you know, Clint Capellick stepping out and matching up with him at times. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I would I would personally say if, if you're the Hawks, that's the team of the realistic possibilities. You could see the Knicks are the your your best chance at getting to a second round.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that's the best matchup you could hope for. Even though I, I already hear someone yelling at the screen right now because the Knicks swept the Hawks this year, and I get that. But it's just different in the playoffs, and no, none of these are like slam dunk matchups. But you gotta pick somebody, and I think that's. The answer that I would uh, I would also give. Um, and it's worth saying, as much as we've talked about Boston and Miami recently on this podcast, it's because the Hawks are battling them for playoff positioning. It's actually kind of unlikely that the Hawks are, are going to play Boston or Miami in the first round now. Because for that to happen, they have to both jump the Knicks, and the Knicks have the lead right now with six games to go. So it's not impossible, but it does seem like, the two most likely matchups for the Hawks are the Bucks or the Knicks. Like, again, just doing the math on that, that isn't to say that it's nothing else is on the table, but I feel like we've... I'm guilty of this, too. I've been thinking about Miami and Boston, but with the Knicks' run that they're on, they're in a position now where, like, they almost have to go, like, 2-4 and four or 1-5 and five to not be in that 4-5 matchup, probably. So it looks like the most likely scenario again is either Milwaukee or New York, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not, so, uh, yeah. I mean, as we start to get down, it, it should start to clarify, but yeah, it'd be a good rice to watch towards the end. It will
1: be. Um, so before I let you get out of here, we don't know who they're going to play. And I want you to factor this in. Do the, I know, I know you're a math guy, so you can use You can use, do, do the math in your head right now. Um, if I told you right now, I'm not going to tell you who the opponent is right now today. What is the percentage chance the Hawks win a playoff series? Oh,
0: man, put me on the spot. Um, You're a math guy. Work it out in your head uh, right now. I'm just uh, I'm a math guy, yeah. I, I'm Fa-
1: an factor in, um, factor in uh, you know, Milwaukee
0: matchup is a so, tough one, obviously. Except. Right. So so this is assuming they're not in the play-in Yes.
1: Round? Yeah, let's what, what, assume that they are not in the play-in. So they're either four, they're fourth or sixth somewhere. Because the play-in scenario, that's still possible, but... I think today I looked it up on Basketball Reference. It was like five percent for them to be in the play-in. So it's plausible, but not likely.
0: Yeah, um, I would say forty-five percent. Wow. And
1: yeah, All right. that's that's good. I like that.
0: I would I would I would just say I would say that because I think there's a decent shot the Hawks could slide to six, and if they slide to six, their chances of upsetting a Milwaukee.
1: Are, or Brooklyn is not super high,
0: I wouldn't think. Yeah, not so super high. but but uh, you,
1: you saying that I, I feel and you, you can correct me, but I feel like forty five percent means that you're favoring the Hawks over a couple of these teams in a series.
0: I I, w- I would personally favor the Hawks over the Knicks, for example. I agree. So what, uh, what that, about what, what, what about Boston like or a, Miami? If that, I if that say, happened, um, I would say Boston would be a slight favorite
1: for the Hawks. And then
0: Miami would be a slight underdog for the Hawks.
1: That's kind of where I am too, and it depends on the home court. But it does feel like, uh, you know, and if it's four five and the Hawks are the four um, against one of those teams, that would obviously help having the extra home game. I know it's, it's sort of a weird season, but the Hawks just announced they're going to have more fans, etc. So that's something to circle too. Is like it's a it's probably only like a quarter of a game, half game kind of factor, but. 45 is pretty – I feel like Hawks might think that is, like, low, but it's not. If you factor in right now, because they there is a chance that they're going to – and if they play the Bucks, I'm not saying they can't win, but they're going to be a big underdog in that series if it happens. Like, the Vegas line in that series is going to be Milwaukee pretty heavily favored, I would imagine. So if you factor that in, 45% is pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I would honestly – if you told me – if you guaranteed me hawks Bucks, I would say, honestly, maybe, like, a 20 to 25% chance of the Hawks – Advancing and that a sounds, lot of that's that sounds reasonable. To, I mean a lot of that's just due to on some level I can't really trust Milwaukee in the playoffs based on <laughs> right. some of their <laughs> past history.
1: Well and the thing about that is though, like Milwaukee has played well against teams that they're supposed to beat for the most like Miami last year was a weird matchup, but the thing about that matchup though is that Milwaukee, I know the Hawks just beat them without Trey, but before that, Milwaukee won like twelve out of the last thirteen. Like they normally have matched up well with the Hawks. So it's not like a situation where Last year some people saw that coming with Miami, like as a matchup problem for Milwaukee. That is that isn't necessarily out there for Atlanta. Can they win? Sure they can. But I don't think there's that obvious, like glaring matchup thing with the Hawks in the way that there was with the Heat last year with, with Milwaukee. Yeah.
0: I I will say the one thing the Hawks do have, um is you know, they have they have guys who can go off. Like we have oh, yeah. seen in the past past couple of games, like if if Bogey and Gallo are just just nailing stuff and Trey's getting into the paint and penetrating and you know they they can match the firepower with Milwaukee. If Milwaukee's kind of not not very organized defensively, it, it, it's possible. Like I I think you know you know this season is a good good example. Like they they've been able to knock off some some big teams here and there. Um, you know, the Nets really early in the season, but that was before they had Harden. Um, you know the Bucks once they've had their troubles with with. The Philadelphia, but I, you know the Hawks are kind of just just one of those weird. Uh, you know they got they got the firepower. Certainly they have some you know defensive deficiencies each of those guys, but um, you know it, if they get into like a you know an up and down shootout, they've got depth. They they've got some some guys who can handle the ball. I think that gives them a shot against you know just about anybody.
1: Yeah, I think it really helps to have that kind of positive variance, you know, like not not that the Hawks are as good as the Bucks, but the Hawks have a lot of ceiling if they're on on the right night. And Milwaukee, as Hawks fans have seen, Mike Budenholzer is a really good defensive coach, but the one thing that he does not do well is stop the three-point line, and the Hawks have shooters. If you have a night like, like Monday, for instance, when the Hawks hit 23s, and two guys hit seven threes in the same game. Now that that won't ha- that won't happen every night, but if that happens twice in a series, you got a chance. It's like that kind of stuff,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. Just just a couple a couple of nights where you just kind of blow them out just randomly, and you know win a couple squeakers, and you never know. You get to four games.
1: There you go. High variance. We, we like we like high variance on this podcast. All right, Wes. Well, thank you for joining me, my friend. Uh, if you have any anything else that you want to get off your chest, take wise. Feel free to do that. And if not, please plug yourself because you are a a strong. Twitter follow both on your basketball page and your personal page, which I really enjoy.
0: <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um I try to keep my basketball page pretty pretty professional. You can follow me at uh West underscore Morton, M O R T O N. Um and then my personal page is in, in the, the bio there. But uh yeah, I'd like to, you know, joke around, analyze the Hawks a little bit, joke around about the futility of Atlanta sports. So appreciate you Appreciate it if you follow
1: me. The Atlanta Sports uh, futility is something that I also, of course, identify with in a big way. So we are kindred spirits on that. But, Unfortunately, uh, yes. I, yes I, I, sure. I, re- I recommend following Wes. Wes is very smart. He uh, writes for Easter Hoops as well, pops in there. Uh, I was glad to have that uh, have that happen because uh, Wes is someone I've read for a long time. Going back to Hawks Hoop and what sort of it's out before that, you've been around for a long time, Wes.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do realize that. Uh, that's uh, me, me too. We're, we're a little be- bit of hiatus, but. I'm back.
1: We're old, you and I. That's okay. Um, Well, thank you, sir, for joining me. Uh, As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, all that fun stuff. Follow Wes, follow the podcast on Twitter, and we'll see you all next time.